Well, it is awesome to be with you here today. There's so many special people uh, here today. If this is your first time at Silver Creek, thank you for coming. We are so glad that you're here. Maybe you haven't been here in a long time. Maybe you came from a long way and you're here today. It's so great to see you. Um, I want to tell you something. I love living in Marquette, Michigan. Well, there's a yeah. I oh don't no don't say that. Uh, I love living in Marquette. Okay, uh, not just for the billboards. I love get. I'm getting I'm getting texts from all. I just drove through Norway and and you're in my hometown. You know I'm. I'm getting, people are taking videos as they drive by them and sending them to me. They're taking, they're taking pictures of these dumb billboards. I just, I, I hope this hospital knows what they're doing. That's all I can say because I really question their value system right now. But I love living in Marquette, Michigan. Come on. Back in June of 2015, there was a, uh, an online article by NerdWallet that did a, a, a study of 1,300 small cities in the U.S., and, and it had to be 75,000 or less. That was considered, and I think that's way too big to actually be a small city, but that's what their, their study was. And I recognized a lot of the names on their top 100 list, okay, I'm from Wisconsin. A lot of those were, were Wisconsin cities, Nina, Manitowoc, Oshkosh, Appleton, De Pere, Superior, Eau Claire, La Crosse, Wisconsin. I, I, I know some of you know Holland, Michigan, um, and, and Holland and Marquette were the only, two, uh, the only two Michigan cities in that top 100. And I looked at that list, and all those other communities are below where Marquette is. Marquette was number eight in the nation. Okay. The, word, the word's going to get out, okay, and people are going to come to the UP uh, more than they ever have before. But it makes me feel good about my community. It makes me feel good about living here. Now, I want you to do me a favor, okay? Now, even if you're out in the hub, I want you to do this for me. It's going to seem a little corny, all right? But I want you to do it. I want you to close your eyes. I'm not going to pull a fast one, I promise. But I want you to imagine someplace, I want you to imagine being someplace in a moment in time when literally everything is perfect. Perfect, no stress, no worries, no fear, no disease, no unemployment, no fatigue, no difficulty no lack, no such thing as Monday morning, no such thing as humidity, high humidity. You guys, that half of you just wiped out your vision right there. No such thing as black flies, no such thing as no seams, no such thing as summers where it never, the sun never seems to shine or April snow showers that destroy mayflowers, or snow blowers, or plows, or shovels. You can open your eyes. You know that the National 
oceanic somebody somebody that they call Noah rates Marquette as the third snowiest city in the contiguous United States. Okay, 149.1 inches on the average is what they, they have for us. Now let me repeat myself. I love living in Marquette, Marquette, Michigan, but it ain't perfect, okay? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? It's not perfect. And when I imagine a place that is perfect, okay, either, they're, 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 either the snow melts in an hour or my driveway is heated, okay, because there ain't no snow blowing and no shoveling in my perfect scenario, okay? And, and we tell ourselves things, okay? We tell ourselves things like this. Well, at least we don't have tornadoes or hurricanes. Do you ever hear that? I, you know, there's two times that we say that. One is during hurricane season when one of them comes ashore down south, okay? Well, we don't, man, thank you, Lord. We don't, you guys ought to move up here. We don't have any of that up here. Tornadoes in Kansas, man, that's what we, hey, we don't have tornadoes up here. This is awesome. You ought to come up here and live. The other time is we say that when we got a 36-inch storm bearing down on us. Well, at least it's not a tornado. <laughs> we say things, I don't like the dry heat anyway. That's what they say in Arizona when it's 115. Well, it's a dry heat, you know. Up here, I don't like the dry heat anyway. I don't like that stuff. We say things like this. I just love all four seasons. You guys know I'm right, right? You know that I'm right. I love this one. Snow is beautiful. And they say it with such conviction. On a postcard, snow is beautiful. When you're snow blowing, it is not beautiful. I'm just telling you that. They say things, and, and this, they're, they're reaching, okay? Shoveling is good exercise. That's what we say. We say things like that. We <laughs> I don't mind missing out on spring, <laughs> summer, and sometimes even fall. I mean, we have years like that, right? We say those things because we're trying to convince ourselves, okay, that where we are is the best place we could possibly be. We are actually... Lying to ourselves, okay? If you really want to be honest, that's what we're doing. These are voices in our head. We know that living in the UP is all about adapting. We know that. That's part of the, the joy of living here. If it was perfect every day, we would get sick of it, okay? I'd let it happen a year or two before I decided to get sick about it, but... But those voices in our head are trying to convince us that it's worth living where we live. Now, let me make a little bit of a, an adjustment here, a turn or a transition, and tell you this, that I believe that each of us is literally 
constantly being bombarded with voices that sound exactly like our own voices that are telling us things that are not actually true. The same way we tell ourselves things like shoveling is good exercise, okay, and it sounds like us. I believe that there are voices that are constantly bombarding us, telling us things that are not true. Now, I want to go back to that perfect place. A few minutes ago when your eyes were closed, and you guys did an amazing job of doing that. I was actually incredibly impressed at how well you you were doing that. But we think, man, that's a place that just, it really, it's a fantasy, it's not really real, because, you know, you think, oh, I'm, you know, a lot of you ladies, oh, I'm on a white sandy beach, and I'm on a, on a chair, and I've got a nice, refreshing, you know, something in my hand, and then you have that thought, where's my kids? You know, it's just gone, okay? That's not, that's not perfect, Okay? So we think, oh, that's really fantasy. But let, and let me tell you something. In this type of imperfection, okay, um, I, lo- I love the UP, and there's, there's days, I mean, you just say, man, this is why. This is why I live here. You know what I mean? 72, you know, and no humidity, blue sky. You're just like, oh, you know, this is why I live here. And, and we... We think that this is the best, but I guarantee you the best day you've ever had in the UP does not compare to every day in the garden. Every day. Your best day doesn't even come close. And think of how you felt on your best day. You're thinking, man, this is awesome. I, the, the, everything is going right. I ought to play the lottery today. It's just, everything's perfect. Listen, it doesn't compare, it won't compare to what is paradise. I want you to think in your minds of what that must have been like for Adam and Eve. Paradise, perfection. Enter the serpent. The serpent is there in the garden and he's having a conversation. Genesis chapter 3 with Eve. And he, he talks a little bit with her, but the bottom line is he says, you know what, surely you will not die if you eat of this fruit. That was the gist of the conversation. And Eve, I wonder, I wonder if, if that, the voice of the serpent, you know, you think, how could the serpent talk? I wonder if the voice that she actually heard was, was actually in her own voice, the same way that you and I hear this. And she decided, you know what? I'll, I won't die. And she ate of the fruit. The Bible says that she was deceived. She took it. She gave it to Adam. The Bible says that he willingly took of the fruit. And in the midst of that paradise, in the midst of that paradise, they heard voices. They heard three voices. One was a voice that said, be afraid. They'd never been afraid before. That voice said, be afraid. You have disappointed God. He's going to be angry. They heard a voice that said, you need to be ashamed because you're naked. They heard another voice from God that said, where are you? See, God couldn't find them. They weren't where they normally would be. They were hiding. And when God called them out of hiding, God wanted to know where they were and why they were hiding. Adam said, 
It's because we were ashamed. Because we know that we're naked. Because we know that we've disappointed you. Listen, those are the first voices I believe that we've heard. But when we hear that that's how they felt, we say, duh. They disappointed God. They sinned. They were naked. It makes sense that they would feel that way. Do you know why you and I say that in our heads? Because we understand the curse of sin better than they did at the time. You and I have lived under that curse for as many years as we've been alive. So that voice has constantly been in our heads. Only it sounds like us. I want you to get that today. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes. Here we are thousands of years later, but you and I are still hearing that voice, those lies in our head, and it sounds just like us. You see, I don't hear those voices in Eric's voice. I hear those voices in Kevin's voice. You, you see what I'm saying? I, I don't hear it in even Satan's voice. I hear it in my own voice. All right, so here's what we're going to look at these voices. We're going to identify the voices, the source, and then identify our response. So let's start with identifying the voices. Somebody said this. The voices in my head may not be real, but they have some really good ideas. Just marinate on that for a while. But let's identify some of these voices. I've only got time for three. I'm going to be real brief with it, but here's, here's an example of the voices that I'm talking about. I'll never be good enough. This voice, again, it sounds exactly like yours. It takes on uh, a, a different form um, depending on your situation uh, and, and what's happening in your life. If the situation requires strength that you don't have, the voice will say you're not strong enough. If it requires wisdom that you do not possess, it says you're not wise enough. And whatever the situation is, just insert it into that, and that's what you're going to hear. And I want you to know that God does not recruit you and I based on our ability to be good enough. The Bible is filled with people that God used that in themselves were not good enough. God appeared to Moses and Moses gave him every reason why he was not good enough. He said, God, I'm not good with people. God, they're not going to believe me. God, I'm not a very good speaker. God was ticked off at Moses. How about Abraham? There's the name we hear. He was a liar. A liar. David, he was an adulterer. Paul was someone who was helping to murder believers. The Bible is filled with people that were not good enough. Peter, after being with Jesus three years, denied that he even knew him. None of them are good enough on their own. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verses 9 and 10, he said this, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And in verse 10, for when I am weak, then I am strong. The truth is that in your own strength, none of us is ever going to be enough. We're not going to be strong enough. We're not going to be talented enough. We're not going to be smart enough. We're not going to be experienced enough. But God is enough. 
And what he desires from you and I is not that we become enough, but that we simply be obedient to him. Some of you, are, are you want God to call on you in your area of expertise so that you can demonstrate that you are enough. God wants to use you in ways and in places where you know you're not enough so that you'll know it's not you and your enoughness that he is using. That was good. I didn't have that in my notes. Here's another, another thing you're going to hear. I'm not valuable. Remember, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, uh, those of you that speak and, and prepare things, we come up with stuff in weird places. This was on the backside of my daily trail <laughs> that, I, that this was coming to my heart from the Lord. I want you to remember when you were a kid. You, did anybody here, did you play kickball at your school? Did you? I, did, I played a lot of kickball, okay? And, and they, they select two captains. Usually those are like the two biggest jocks in the whole school. And, uh, and then they start picking people, right? Do you, do you realize the pain that this puts, uh, you know, like half the grade school through? Some people won't even play kickball because of this very thing. And so by the time they get down to the end, okay, they're, they're laboring over the last couple picks. And then there's one poor sucker left, okay? It's an odd number of, of people, and then the captains are arguing about who's gonna get that, not get that guy. I don't need it, man, I, you can take it. You know why? Because he's a sure out, okay? Everybody knows it. It's a sure out, I don't want that person on my team, okay? And that's, that is literally, that. I, see, I believe that that voice, okay, and, and as you think about, I literally, when I think about kickball and about childhood, I, I start getting a little anxious, okay? Because where am I going to get picked? I'm, I, I literally, as a 54-year-old adult, I can feel that feeling. When we, in our minds, we hear that voice that says, you are not valuable, we, are, we can thank those, sometimes people in our lives have been telling us that. Maybe for you it was a parent Maybe it was a grandparent or aunt or uncle or a sibling. Maybe it's a spouse. But someone has been telling you that you are not valuable. Maybe it's your employer. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it was a, somebody who posed as a friend. But you've heard that voice over and over in your life. It's been programmed into you. But I have a question for you. What do you think God really thinks of you? Have you bought into the lie? that you're not valuable. You see, I believe that God looks at us differently. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Man, that's good. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want you to think of that playground. I want you to think of those kids lined up there. And I want you to think that God literally surveyed the crowd and he said, I choose you. Come on. 
Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you. How should that make us feel? We are valuable to him. Here's another one. I'm a worthless failure. The culture of our world puts the highest premium on success. Vince Lombardi said winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. Dale Earnhardt Sr. said this, second place is just the first loser. When we don't win, we tend to think of ourselves as a failure and failures have no value. When we look at our lives, when we compare ourselves to others, what do we see? They've got more resources than we have. They've got a better job than we've got. They've got more toys than we've got. They've got more opportunity than we have. They have a bigger and nicer house than we have. And we hear that voice, and it's our voice that rises up in our minds, and it tells us, compared to that guy, you're a loser. You are a failure. You are worthless. Look at what that guy has and what you don't have. So how does God look at you? Does he see you as worthless? Does he see you as a failure? Let me remind you that the Bible says that each and every one of us were created in the image of God. Would he create you in his image and then think of you as invaluable or as, as not being valuable? Literally, your very essence, the, 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 the package that God made you to be reflects his image. I don't know about you, okay? But I, I, I really enjoy going places with my family, okay? I do. We had a wedding a couple Saturdays ago. It was, I had so much fun. I, it was such a blast, and one of the things that I love to do is to be able to, I see my kids, and I look at them, and I say to people, this is my, this is my son, or this is my daughter, and people, of course, in my family, we, we look a lot alike, and they... They look at them and they and they you know they they joke about how you know Isaac's getting tall and he's got a couple inches with the hair and but I just there's so much joy in me as a father to to say this is my boy or this is my daughter Becca or 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 this is my son and his wife and and to be able to introduce them and to see them I I have so much joy that wells up inside me. And that's what the Father feels all the time about us. We're in His image. We are, he created us to be in that image. Jesus said in Matthew 10, for verses 29 and 30, are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your Father's care. And even the very hairs of your head, not difficult for me, are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. You are so valuable to God that he emptied out the treasury of heaven as a ransom to buy you back from sin. He took the best of heaven and gave it as a ransom. Ransom is normally amount of money. God gave the best individual that he had, his son Jesus. 
And when you are told that you are not valuable, I don't care how close that voice sounds to your voice, it is a lie that emanates from the very pit of hell and you need to address that voice and tell it go back where you came from because I know that my father loves me and I'm created in his image and he gets joy when he sees me all right the source I gotta move fast other than the voices in my head somebody said I think I'm pretty normal You're like, I can identify with that. (laughs) Who's the source of the voices? The voices that say you'll never be good enough, you have no value, you're a worthless failure, they come from a specific source, not from the people even that may have said them to you that hurt you, but literally that source is the same source as it was in the book of Genesis. It is literally Satan himself. John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus said this, that he was, meaning Satan, a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of it. Literally, that means he created lying. Okay? He created it. It did not exist. His objective is to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10.10 says, and he schemes against us. Uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 8, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Let me say this to you. That verse says that your enemy, the devil, prowls around what? Like. He's not actually a lion. He makes noise like a lion. He's not a lion. He prowls around and he is speaking into your head and he is speaking into my head. Those things that say that you are never going to be good enough, that you are not valuable, that that you are a worthless loser, that that you are not a success. He is going to speak those things and those things literally are from someone whose desire is to steal our joy, to kill our spirit, to destroy us completely. So let's identify the response. Everybody hears these voices. All of us do. So what should our response to those voices be? Paul gives us some great counsel. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we, here it is, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So our response to these voices should be very simple. Number one, take it captive. Okay? When you hear that voice that says you're never going to be good enough, Take it captive. We let that puppy run like a record that skips. You're not good enough. 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 enough. And we replay things in our childhood. We replay things from college or things in our adulthood that have happened to us that have caused us to feel that way and we just hear it over and over and over and over. It's a thought 
It does not rule you. It does not have authority over you unless you give it authority. You have to give it that authority. So take it captive. You can do it. It is your ability to do. Jesus gave us spiritual authority over that stuff, and we don't have to let it play over and over in our minds. Take it captive. Number two, demolish it. So don't just take it captive, okay? Demolish it. Paul said that we can demolish strongholds, that we have a divine power, the word in the Greek is dunamis, miracle working power. We're talking about a thought here, right? A thought that plays over and over in our mind, that says you're not valuable. And, and how easy, in fact, in fact, when you look at Satan's arsenal, a thought is the most basic weapon that Satan has, and it's one of the most effective. God has given us authority over strongholds, over demonic power, and that small little thing that's just a thought, he's given us the ability to take authority over it and to de- literally to demolish it, to crush it. Number three, we need to live in freedom. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he said, there is, there, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I, I, listen, I'm no different than you are. I know what it is. I know what it is to have a, a hard time going to sleep and hearing those thoughts start to play. I know what it is to wake up in the middle of the night and not be able to go back to sleep because those thoughts begin. But you know what? We need, we need to take authority over those things and what we need to do is begin to live in the freedom that God has given to us. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ and we can take authority over that in Jesus' name. Now, was listening to one of my favorite preachers this week. And he mentioned something that I'd never heard before, and I actually had to look it up. It was called lizard brain. I've never heard of that before. I thought it was a joke. I thought he was teasing. And as it turns out, according to psychology today, lizard brain is actually a term that, that was used for your brain stem. And your brain stem is the first thing that develops in your brain, so they say that it's the oldest part of your brain. And the brain stem, that is the place where those, the primal uh, fear exists, where f- uh, fight or flight, um, those things all exist there. And he was studying that. And one day out in the backyard, the kids were in the pool and his seven-year-old daughter says to him, Dad, I want to swim underwater all the way across the pool. Dad said, that's great. But remember, your brothers were 10 before they were able to do it. She said, I know, but that's what I want to do. I want to go under and I want to swim all the way across the pool. He said, okay, honey. He said, I believe you can do it, but I just want you to be prepared. You see, there's this part of your brain called the lizard brain. And that part of your brain is going to cause you to want to be afraid. 
but you don't need to be afraid. His daughter looks at him and says, there's a lizard in my brain? He said, no, no, that's not the point. But he said, you're going to be afraid and those, you're going to want to stop, but you can do it. There's no fear. I'm right here and you're okay. Go and, and give it your best and try it and I think you can do it. So she gets up against one end of the pool. She takes a huge breath. She goes under. She pushes off and she begins to swim. She gets 25% of the way across, 50%, 75%, gets all the way, touches the other side of the pool and comes up with a huge gasp for air and turns to her dad and says, Dad, those lizards are loud. <laughs> you and I get lizard brain. We get lizard brain. And it's those voices, those voices that promote fear in our lives, that say you will never be good enough. You are not valuable. You are a worthless failure. And they go over and over and over. And I want you to know that those are not of God. And that it may sound like your voice, but it's not from you. It's from the lizard himself. Come on. Serpent in the garden. Come on. That's good. I don't care who you are. That's good today. So I want to pray. Because I believe that there are some people that are fighting discouragement because those words just, they pile in on you every day. And nobody ever told you that you don't have to take it. Nobody ever told you that there was a way, a way of escape, that there's a way to defend yourself. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me out in the hub and here in the sanctuary as well. Let's just stand together. Father, I just pray for those that are here right now. Lord, that they've been fighting that lizard brain. They've been fighting it, and those words are loud. And it sounds just like them. And maybe they've never even thought that those words were not, were not really from them. But today they've learned that those words are literally the source of those words are the pit of hell and it is Satan. He is a liar. He, there's no truth in him. He's a liar from the beginning. He created lying and he is lying to them in their own voice. Father, I pray that today will be a day of deliverance because, Lord, you've showed us how we should respond. You've showed us what we should say. You've showed us what we should do. We can take it captive. We can demolish it. We can live in freedom. And so, Father, today, as we close out this service, there may be some that are they're, they're just so racked. They're so racked because that, that record has replayed so many times they don't know if they could even stop it. And they say, you know, if I could walk out of here today believing that I am free in Jesus, that I could have freedom from this, it would be an answer to my prayer. I'm just going to have the worship team 
lead us in this last song. And as they do, this morning, if, if, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I need, I, need, I, I want to let God do this in my life. I really want to take authority over those voices. I really want to live in the freedom that he has for me. If that's you, as they play, I want you to step out from where you are and find a place here at this altar. If God is calling you and, 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 and laying on your heart to pray for someone else, I want you to come and, and lay your hand on them and just begin to pray for them. But I want you, don't leave without responding today. If the Lord has spoken to you, do not walk away. So Father, in the name of Jesus, as this song is led, just over the next few moments, I pray that there would be deliverance in Jesus' name.